Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Good morning. It worked. You may take your seats. Oh, so good to see you all. I'm, oh, yeah. Didn't think about that. Maybe if I move back here a smidge. <laughs> oh, I love the Word of God. Who loves the Word of God? Who would not want to live without God's word? (laughs) Hey, I want to see a lot more hands than that. Who would not want to live without the word of God? Come on. (laughs) It's a light to our path. It's a lamp to our feet. It's, It's God's wisdom. It's his love letter to us. It's a record of history. It's a glimpse into the future. It's historic. It's prophetic. It's alive. It's living and active. It never returns void. That means it's going to accomplish something in us today. It's going to change something in our hearts today. I'm sorry if you can hear me slurp because I can't remove that out of the way. <laughs> I'm just going to have a sip of latte. <laughs> I've got to be a lady and sip quietly. <laughs> okay, let's turn to Second Samuel Chapter 9, we're going to look at the story of Mephibosheth today. Everybody say Mephibosheth. That's it. It's one of those nice long names. Multi, um, what's the word? Syllables. Many syllables. That's it. I'll give you a minute to find it. Give me a hoy if you found it. Second Samuel chapter 9. We're going to read it together. I love this story. This, this is um, a story that actually happened in history. But it's, it's one of those... I won't make any. I feel like I'm lisping. It's one of those stories that you can easily read through and just you go, oh, yeah, that's nice, and keep going. But it's so rich. It's so rich. So we're going to dig into 2 Samuel chapter 9 today. You ready to dig in? Awesome. So David asked, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba, and he called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba, your servant? He, he replied. The king said, Is there no one still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Makkah, son of Emil, in Lodabar. So King David had him bought from Lodabar, from the house of Makkah, son of Emil. And when Mephibosheth, (laughs) son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honour. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. 
Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king commanded Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. Now you and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants, so he had big family that could take care of Mephibosheth's properties. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth (laughs) ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. He had a young son named Micah and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table and he was crippled in both feet. How is that for a, for a story? It's a bit like, it reminds me of a limerick because you've got to say that word so many times, Mephibosheth. You'll never forget his name now, will you? Everyone say Mephibosheth. That's it. (laughs) And David sought him out because he wanted to show him favour. Do you believe that you're worthy of the favour of God? That's the question I want to ask you today. Do you believe that you're worthy of God's favour? Do you believe that you're worthy of God seeking you out because he wants to favour you? I'm here to tell you this morning that you're so worthy of God's favour. And it was was for the sake of Jonathan that David wanted to favour Mephibosheth. And he was the only surviving grandson of Saul. He was the only surviving heir at this point of Saul's. So he was actually in line for the throne. So David could have seen him as a threat but instead of seeing him as a threat, he chose to bring him into his household and to honour him and to care for him. And it was because of Jonathan's obedience. You know, I believe that some of us are standing in the favour of God today because of the obedience of those that have gone before us. Some of you are here today because your grandmother, your grandfather, your great-grandmother, your great-grandfather, your great-great-great-grandmother or grandfather was praying for the generations that would come after them. And you're receiving the favour of God today because of their obedience, because of their prayers for you. Isn't that amazing? And who, who... coming after you is going to receive the favour of God because of your obedience, because you're here today, because you've chosen to serve God, because you've chosen to honour God, who further down in the generations from you is going to be a recipient of the favour and blessing of God because of your faithfulness, because of your prayers, because of your obedience. Is anyone excited about that? That... We can make a choice today to ensure that our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and our great-great-grandchildren are blessed and favoured of God because he promises to those that love me, I will bless them to a thousand generations. 
So if you choose to love God today, you are making a choice for the sake of the generations that are going to come after you to be blessed and favoured of God. That is amazing. That is amazing. If we look at, um, we're not going to go there, but it explains in 2 Samuel chapter 4 why Mephibosheth was crippled in both feet. And what happened was that when um, the Philistine army had defeated Saul's army and Saul had fallen on his sword and his sons were killed, that when the news got back to the palace that the king was dead, then the nurse that was looking after the children picked Mephibosheth up in her arms and she started to run and flee for her life because she knew that the the palace was in danger, that the Philistine army was going to come and wipe out all the heirs that were in the palace. So the nurse picked up Mephibosheth, she ran with him and she dropped him and it crippled him for the rest of his life. And, you know, there's, there's some things that happen to us because someone else has whether it's intentionally or, or not intentionally, they have hurt us, they've crippled us, they've let us down. And in this case, it was his nurse and she wasn't trying to harm him, she was trying to save him. You know, and sometimes even when people are trying to do the best for us because of their own fear, because of their own failure, because of their own lack of wisdom, sometimes they hurt us, they let us down. Something happens to us that at no fault of our own, it cripples us, it damages us. And that's, that's what happened with Mephibosheth. And you, you might be at a place in your life where you look back over your life and you think, if only that hadn't happened to me, I'd be in a better place right now. If, if only that divorce hadn't happened, if only that injury hadn't happened, if only that teacher hadn't criticised me, if only, if only that friend hadn't betrayed me, if only, if only my dad hadn't beaten me, if only my mum hadn't been so cold towards me, I wouldn't be so crippled today. I'd be in a better place today. But I've got good news for you today that no matter what your past looks like, The king is seeking you out to bring restoration into your life. He's seeking you out because there's nothing that he can't restore. There's nothing that he can't heal. He's got a place at his table for you. Just like the king said to Mephibosheth, David said, I've got a place for you at at my table. You're going to come and sit at my table and I'm going to restore to you everything that you lost. That's God's heart for us, is to restore everything that we've lost. So we can, either, we can either choose to focus on what's been broken or we can choose to focus on what God is busy restoring in our lives. And he is busy restoring us. The word of God promises he's begun a good work in us and he will carry it through to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Can anybody testify that God has restored something in their life? That God has restored a relationship. That God has restored trust. That God has restored your hope. Can anybody testify? Come on. God has brought restoration into my life. God has brought healing where there was brokenness. God has brought hope where there was hopelessness. God has brought healing where there was... Health issues. God has done so much good for us. He's done so much that is good for us. 
I, I need... I need testimony in this house today to be the spirit of prophecy. Because, you know, when you put your hand up and say, yes, God has done something great for me, it says to the person next to you, well, then he can do it for you as well. That is the spirit of prophecy, you know, and the, and the praise of God should always be on our mouth. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will forever be on my lips. So when I say, hey, has God done something good for you? Then it should be on the tip of your lips ready to go. Yes. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. He's done so much good for me. He's done so much good for me. Yeah. (laughs) He has. Awesome. But Mephibosheth had lost his confidence because of what happened to him as a child. Has anybody been in that place where you feel like you lack confidence because of something that happened to you earlier in your life? You know, if the enemy can attack our confidence and our ability to trust when we're a child, then he's he's happy because he senses the potential in us and if he can undermine that potential when we're young, then he, he will do his best to do that, won't he? He will do his best to come and steal, to, to kill and destroy that seed of God that he places inside each one of us. And if he can do that when we're young, then, then he's happy. But <laughs> the good thing is that God can restore that. God can restore that. But Mephibosheth called himself a dead dog. When David said, I've, I've got favour for you, I've got a place for you at my table, he said, why are you calling on a dead dog like me? Why, why are you concerned about a dead dog like me? And when, when we've been injured, when we've been damaged, we, there's names that we call ourselves, isn't there? You know, I'm, I'm stupid, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not able to achieve what I want to achieve. I'm not smart enough, I'm not in the right circles, I don't come from the right family. You know, what, what names do you call yourself in your head or when no one else is listening? We need to change our internal dialogue and we need to line it up with what God says about us. We need to line it up with how God sees us. Sons and daughters, favoured of God, with a hope and a future, that's who you are. That's who you are. And we need to stop entertaining any thought that says anything else. Because otherwise, if we're entertaining those thoughts that say, you're not going to get through this, it's never going to get better, it's never, God hasn't got anything good for you. If we entertain those thoughts, we are choosing to stay crippled. We are choosing to stay in that place. Mephibosheth was hiding in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar was a small town somewhere between Jerusalem and Jericho. It means, the, the name Lodabar means no word and no thing. It was pretty much a ghetto. It was considered a ghetto in biblical times. It was a, it was a, there was no word from Lodabar because nothing ever happened in Lodabar. It was, it was a nowhere place. So he was hiding, he'd taken refuge in this nowhere place where, and he, he thought, nobody, there's no point in saying anything, nobody's going to listen to me, nobody cares about 
where I am anymore. He felt like he didn't have a voice. He pretty much accepted his plight. Have you ever felt like you haven't got a voice? Like you just go, well, this is how it is now and, and nobody really wants to know how I feel about it. That's how he felt. By this time, he would have been in his late teens or his early 20s. So he was five years old when the nurse dropped him. At this point in time, he would have been in his late teens or his early 20s. And he pretty much con- was convinced that his, his life started off well, but it wasn't going to end well. He, he started out life as a prince, but he was going to end up as a, as a poor man, as a crippled man. Imagine his surprise when a messenger from the king comes knocking on his door in Lodabar and says, the king has searched you out. I, I don't care if you feel like you don't have a voice. I don't care if you feel like nobody notices you. The king is searching you out. God knows where you are. He knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows exactly what's going on in your head. And he's searching you out. And he's saying, come to my table. Come and sit with me. Come and get your sustenance from me. Come and get what you need from me. Because we can't get our identity from anywhere else apart from our father's table. We can't get our nourishment from anywhere else apart from at our father's table. We can't get our identity from what happened to us in our past. I'm here to tell you that you are not your circumstances. You are not your circumstances. You are not what has happened to you. You are not the battle that you're currently facing. You are not where you have failed in the past. That is not who you are. You are a son and a daughter of God. You have a hope and a future. He has begun a good work in you and he will carry it through to completion. And he has a place for you at his table. If you haven't seen God's promise come to pass in your life yet, it's because your life isn't over yet. Your story isn't finished yet. Mephibosheth's story wasn't finished when he was 20. He hadn't seen the fulfilment of the promise yet because his life wasn't over yet. Our life is a work in progress. He says from glory to glory, he's changing us. And it's not for our glory, it's for his glory. But he has a glorious purpose for us. So I want to talk to people that have decided because someone has let you down in the past, that you're going to be self-reliant from now on. You're not going to let anyone else in, not going to rely on anyone to carry me ever again, not going to have to trust anyone ever again. I'm just going to be self-sufficient. I'm just going to be self-reliant. You know, like the messenger went and sought Mephibosheth out. I feel like God is sending me to you today to say it's time to trust again. It's time to hope again. It's time to believe God again. It's time to love again. I feel like some of you have closed your heart because you've, you've loved and your heart's been broken. And I feel like God's saying it's time to love again. It's time to take a chance and lean, let the Father's arms carry you again. 
and it's time to let people go on the journey with you again. It's time to let down your defences and stop trying to protect yourself because we can't protect ourselves. He is our protector. He is our protector. So it's time to live again and release the burden off yourself to have to protect yourself because it's the Father that will protect you. It's the Father that will carry you. It's the Father that goes before you. He is your protector. So it's time. It's time. It's time. He's prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. In the presence of your enemies. So even if stuff's still going on, he's prepared a table for you. Even in the presence of stuff going on. Our God is a God of restoration. Stephen bought the word for the year last week and it was the year, it was Jubilee. It was Jubilee. And Jubilee is all about restoration. It's all about rest and it's all about restoration. And I believe that God is going to do some restoration this year in some people's lives. And I don't care if it's been seven years that you've been waiting. I don't care if it's been 14 years that you've been waiting. I don't care if it's been 49 years that you've been waiting. It's never too late. It's never too late for God to bring restoration into your life. It's never too late for God to bring the promise to pass. It's never too late for God to restore, even if you feel like you've lost ground, even if you feel like you've gone backwards, even if you feel like you've lost territory. God says it's time, it's time, it's time for me to restore. It's time for me to restore. He's a God of restoration. He's such a good father. It's your jubilee. It's your jubilee. And I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you to, to the degree that you agree, you will receive. To the degree that you agree with the word of God, to the degree that you agree with what God is proclaiming over your life this year, you will receive. You will receive. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. I want to ask you today, do you believe God? Do you believe God? Because to the degree that you agree that he has a hope and a future for you, you will receive Because you can sit back and go, oh, yeah, year of Jubilee. Yeah, I've heard this before. God's promises, yada, yada, yada. Then you're you're partnering with doubt and you're not partnering with faith. To the degree that you believe and partner with faith, you will receive the word of God. You will receive the promises of God. You will receive the hope of God. So I want you to engage your faith today. I want you to engage your partnering with what the word of God says over you today. It's so important to agree because sometimes we agree more with doubt than we do with faith. We agree more with the the enemy's 
critical words in our head than we do with what the Word of God says about who we really are. Stop telling yourself you're not enough. Stop telling yourself you're a dead dog and there's no hope for you because you've been too broken, too hurt. That's a lie. Stop telling yourself you're not enough. Stop telling yourself that God can't do it. Stop telling yourself that nothing's going to change. Start agreeing with what the Word of God says, that he's begun a good work, that he's busy working, that his promises are yes and amen in your life. We need to change our declaration so that we agree, that we're in agreement. Sure. I'm also picking up when Kylie was saying that, that there are some people that are saying, but it's okay for you because God's never done that for me. God's never done anything. If only because you're looking at your current situation, you're saying, but he still hasn't fixed this. But you've forgotten everything that he's done leading up mm, to this mm. time right here. And yeah. we need to go back and remind ourselves of everything that he's done, that he's never failed mm. us. Because yeah. that, going back and reminding ourselves that he is faithful, that is the spirit of prophecy to start mm. proclaiming, no, no, he's done it before. He can do it again. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. That's very good. That's so true. He has done stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we can get so fixated on what we're still hoping for, what we're still waiting for, that we forget everything that is done for us up to that point, up to this point. So I want you to think about, I want you to picture in your mind this young man with, with crippled feet. He, he's walking into the dining room of a king. There's a massive table in the centre of this dining room. The chandeliers hanging from the ceiling, the gilded walls, the candelabras, the massive, you know, pig's head on the table and the, the lamb on the spit and the big plate. Sorry, it's fair fast. There was nothing on the table, no food on the table. <laughs> But there's this magnificent table. It, th this is King David's dining room. And can you imagine the kind of people that would have been seated at that table? There, there's princes. There's David's sons seated at this table. There's princesses. There's David's daughters seated at this table. There's the captain of his army. There's his mighty warriors there's his leaders, his nobles and officials. They're all seated at this table. And then in comes this crippled young man. And David gives him a seat of honour next to him at the table. And how he may have felt so intimidated by the other people that were there. The other people that had accomplished so much the other people that were so successful, that were so important. And I, f I feel like God is calling you, some of you, to, to come and sit at tables where you may not feel comfortable. He's calling you to come and sit at tables with important people. And you need to know who you are in God. 
You need to know, you need to see yourself as God sees you so that you can sit at that table and so that you can be comfortable there, so that you can hold your head high and say, I, I deserve to be at this table as much as anybody else because God has put me here. God has positioned me here for a purpose and I have something to give. I have something to bring. I have something to carry to this table. There are some of you that God is going to position you in places where you will look around and think, what am I doing here? How did I get here? But you need to know if you're there, God has put you there for a purpose. And you need to not be intimidated. You need to hold your head high and say, I am here by the appointment of God. And so therefore, I've got something to give. I've got something to say. You can't minister to people that you are intimidated by. You can't speak into the lives of people that intimidate you. So you've got to say no to the spirit of intimidation. Hold your head high. Walk in there as a child of God and take your seat at the table. That, that's a word for some of you. You're going to find yourself this year in places where you haven't been before, but God has put you there for a reason. And he's given you something to say and, he, and you're going to carry something into that place. You're going to carry something. But first you need to get before God and say, show me who I am. Show me who I am so I can carry the confidence of heaven with me wherever I go. Sometimes people look like they've got it all together, but on the inside they're broken. And you may not look like you've got it all together on the outside, but on the inside you're whole. On the inside you carry heaven. On the inside you are full of the spirit of God. So you've got something to give. You've got something to bring. I don't care if they drive a Lamborghini. I don't care if they have a Gucci handbag. I don't care if they have a six-figure bank account. If they don't have Jesus, they're broken. And they need to know who the King of Kings is. They need to know how to find salvation. They need to know how to find peace. They need to know how to find fulfilment because money won't fulfill and achievement won't fulfill and having you know, a successful business won't fulfill us. They need to know about salvation. God is going to position some of you alongside those people and you need to not look at all the gilded, fancy candelabras and chandeliers that are in that room. You need to look through to the broken hearts, the broken hearts that need you to minister to them. Mephibosheth was at that table because God put him there. He was at that table because he was favoured of God and God had a purpose for him being there. Awesome. That's a word for you guys. And some of you need to remember that when you find yourself in a place where you start to feel intimidated or overwhelmed or small and the Holy Spirit will remind you, rise up. The Holy Spirit will prod you and say, rise up, stand up, hold your head up, you're here for a reason. Yes. It's interesting that Mephibosheth wasn't healed physically. It doesn't say that when he sat at the king's table that his crippled feet were healed. 
but he, but God provided for him. God favoured him and God cared for him. And some of you think because God hasn't done this for me yet, I'm not favoured, but that's not true. Because while you wait, God is favouring you. While you wait, God is providing for you. While you wait, God is meeting your needs. So you need to come and sit at his table, even if parts of your life are still broken and you're still believing God to heal that, that part of your life, you need to still come and sit at his table. Take your place at his table with your less than perfect family, with your less than perfect physical body, with your less than perfect marriage, with your less than perfect job, you still have a place at God's table. You still are in a place of provision. You still are in a place of favour. You still are in a place of blessing. While you wait, God is renewing your strength. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They that wait on the Lord. So if you're waiting, if you're waiting, if you're waiting, he's renewing your strength. He's strengthening you. He's strengthening you in that place of waiting. He's strengthening you. He's building a backbone in you in that place of waiting. He's fortifying your faith in that place of waiting. Those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. He's restoring your strength. Awesome. Who believes we serve a restorative God? Who believes we serve a restorative God? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. He's so good. I want you to say, I'm favoured of God. I'm favoured by God. Say it like you believe it. I am favoured of God. Again, I am favoured of God. I am favoured of God. Say it again. I am favoured of God. You're one of his favourites. That means you're one of his favourites. Your father's favourites. You may not have been your father's favourite in your physical family, but in your heavenly family, you are one of your father's favourites. He delights in you. He rejoices over you. You're one of his favourites. You are favoured. You are blessed. Awesome. All right. Let's stand on our feet. We're just going to pray. I want you to agree with me wholeheartedly, verbally, the power of agreement. Thank you, God, for your favour. Thank you, Father, for everything that you've prepared for each one of us this year, Lord. Thank you for a year of jubilee. Thank you for a year of restoration. Thank you, Lord, for the ground that's going to be given back this year. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the friendships that are going to be restored this year. Thank you for the families that are going to be restored this year, for the marriages that are going to be restored this year, the finances that are going to be restored this year. Thank you, Lord, for for the confidence 
that's going to be restored, the trust that's going to be restored, vision that's going to be restored this year, Father. This year, Father. Lord, we stand before you like a child on Christmas morning with open arms, with expectancy, so happy to receive whatever you have for each one of us this year, Father. We thank you that you are a restorative Father. You are a good, generous, awesome Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for hope being restored in this room right now, Lord. Trust being restored. Joy being restored. Expectancy being restored in this room, Father. Peace being restored. Confidence in you being restored. Identity being restored in this room, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for prophetic declarations that were made years ago, decades ago, coming to pass this year, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Zeal being restored. Zeal for your house being restored. This year, passion being restored. This year, Lord. Focus being restored. Thank you, Father. We receive it in the name of Jesus. We receive it. Promise being restored. Salvation being restored. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Pour it out, Lord. Pour it out, Lord. Pour it out, Lord. We receive it. We receive it. Thank you, Father. You're a good Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.